Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. At the end of the service, we're all going to approach the table together, and we've talked a lot about meals and how important they are to Jesus, and Jesus ate a lot. <laughs> he went to a lot of people's homes and a lot of wonderful things happen in meals there's no ordinary meal for us believers every time we gather together or with someone it's a very special time and so we're going to have time at the table together and so during the service if you just pray with me uh that uh we would see even the lord meet us and i do i'm a good lutheran when it comes to this um that was the first that was the first spirit i guess you would say uh spirit-infused church that we attended when we first got married was a Lutheran church that was very active in the Holy Spirit, and we took communion every single time we gathered, and uh, it was a a moment when they, this church, expected Jesus to meet us at the table in a very special way, and so it's my prayer that uh, during the service and then when we all arise and approach the table in just a few minutes, that indeed there will be a, a noticeable difference in the environment, the atmosphere, and most of all, in your heart as we do this together. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this today. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather with your people on this beautiful day. And uh, indeed, Lord, I pray for your help with my throat today. I pray you sustain it through the services. And Lord, most of all, though, I pray, that God, you'd give me the gift of teaching that you would allow me to be able to sense, Lord, and know what you want said, what you don't want said. That Jesus, help me in my weakness that you would be strong. Let the message of your grand love come across to those who need to hear your love and experience your love. And Holy Spirit, we do welcome you here. We welcome you to come and to apprehend our hearts do a good work in us, Lord, today and through us to one another today. I breathe life on your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, look for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And I'm going to give you three areas. The first one is during salvation. Salvation, your first feeling is salvation. Over in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts is like, I mean, all of the stories are pretty much awesome. But this story itself really really gets me this whole chapter gets me is the chapter starts off with uh, paul finding timothy and getting to know him and then you move on into uh, verses six through ten and uh, paul is praying about where to go to go share the gospel and he wants to go to this one particular area it's on his heart to go here but he says that the lord kept him from going there I mean, it's a good thing to go and preach the gospel anywhere, right? But there is a strategy. I mean, God is doing a work in our world and in our lives around us. And I think there is a strategy. It's just not a throw it up in the air and whatever lands, lands. And I take great comfort in that because sometimes the world can seem very chaotic, much less the church world can seem very chaotic. But to know that the Lord himself has a strategy of like, here's the best time to go do this. No, you don't need to go and do that right now. It's better that you wait, and I'll show you where to go next. And that's exactly what happened. And Paul even received a vision of this guy 
saying, I need you to come over here to Macedonia. Like he had a vision. I, I knew a missionary. This has been a long time ago, but I heard him in a conference say that um, he had this dream of a guy, this similar situation in Acts 16. And uh, it was a particular country in an area that he had never been to before. And he said, so he got a team together and they went there and he had the same kind of deal. He saw someone saying, come, come here, come here. And so when he got there, there was a guy on the other side of this stream sitting on a log. And when he showed up, the guy on the other side said, what took you so long? <laughs> and he moved into that area, established a base camp for missions work and trained missionaries right here in South Carolina, had a camp in uh, just amazing that, uh, you know, the Lord can do that, can direct you. And this 16th chapter is like that. And verses 11 through 15 is the wonderful story of Lydia and the church in Philippi when it was birthed. And this business lady who had a dye business, dyeing garments and all, uh, was, was a good woman. And uh, Paul approached her and she ended up begin becoming a Christian. And they went to her house, established a base camp to work their missions work out of Lydia's house. And then we get to the section of scripture that I want to talk about today. We get to this place. Now, Paul and Silas and maybe Luke, since he wrote this, they're, they're all together. And uh, they're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, this young girl who's a fortune teller and her masters, her owners, it says slave owners, actually, in here, were making a lot of money off of her and her fortune telling. Well, she falls in behind Paul, and she starts declaring to everyone, they're telling the truth. They're telling the truth. That sounds right, doesn't it? Sounds good. But evidently, she was doing it so much that Paul, after a couple of days, just got fed up with it. Actually, it was telling the truth, but at the same time, it's like the enemy was using it to distract him, to distract people and all. And so Paul, after a few days, just gets flat fed up and turns around and rebukes the devil that's manipulating her. And guess what happens to her? She loses the ability to be able to fortune tell after that. Well, her managers, the people that were using her for their benefit, of course, were a little peeved about that because now their income is gone. Now the girl knows the beauty of Jesus Christ and the freedom of Christ, but these slave owners are without an income now. And so they get really angry and they complain, and Paul and Silas and those with him got arrested. They were beat with rods, thrown into jail for this. And uh, that's where we join the story. And, you know, I told you guys a story about an adult comedian at one of the strip clubs here that um, those of you who are here, the story of, of how Christ came to him in a miraculous way and how I watched his transformation. He only had a little bit of time to live. But, but this here's the part of the story you don't know is right about that same time, an, a counselor friend of mine and I, we started probably it was the first support group in Horry County for addictions, at least sexual addictions and things like that. So we started this group. And uh, at the same time, here's, here's this strategy. At the same time, the same person that referred this comedian to me calls and says, I have a couple who wants marriage, premarital counseling. Will you counsel them? I said, sure. Then they said, well, she's a stripper, and he's a male dancer. Will you still do premarital counseling? 
I was like, might be above my pay grade, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see what happens. And so they came in. This is the same era with the guy, same club with the guy. She did not know what had happened to him yet. And so they come in, and, and needless to say, it was an amazing challenge, to say the least. Um, but in the process, in the process, she came to Christ. She absolutely was a lovely person. And uh, she came to Christ, and she came to our first group, support group. And I haven't heard from her in a long time, but the last time I heard from her, she was out on the West Coast with her mom, and she had a regular job. But one of the things she said was, I went from making $1,000 a night to making minimum wage. Pray for me. This little girl in this story did the same. She went from, and her owners, from making all of this money. Sometimes it will cost you. Sometimes it will cost you to answer the call of Christ. Now, there's a lot more that goes with the answering the call that's beautiful. But in the moment, it's not always prosperity and everything is great and wonderful sometimes things get cut out of our lives and there's that moment in time where we have to trust the lord as he builds back into our lives and builds a new life in us and so i when i read this story i thought oh that's just like her same thing almost here and so they're thrown into jail and they were beat with rods now you and i if we were thrown into jail and beat with rods we would probably what over in a corner going mother you know somebody come get me and uh, help me, but what do Paul and Silas do? They're singing hymns. They're singing praises to God. Sitting in that cell, beaten, hurting, hungry, thirsty, and they're giving praises to God. Giving praises to God. And there is no, uh, I don't get anything out of the scripture that says that they expected God to intervene and get them out of there. I don't pick that up in the story at all. So they are just in the moment doing what they know to do and they're rejoicing i think over the the girl's salvation her being freed and and we pick up the story in acts 30 16 30 about midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the other prisoners were listening to them we're listening to them there are people in our lives when god does something that are watching and listening to us and in that jail they they picked up on it they saw what was happening. They're going, why are these guys singing? Why are they rejoicing? Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. Well, he was, there you go. Uh, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison's do prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Because he knew what would happen to him if that happened. But Paul shouted out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. All. All meaning what? Even those who weren't with Paul and Silas. The other words that had heard them singing and worshiping. You see the effect that you can have on a group sometimes? I mean, it's amazing. All of them stayed right where they were. <clears throat> we are all here. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. 
Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. Talking about a reverse. Look at this. The jailer took them and washed their wounds. He may have been the one that had beaten them just earlier. We don't, I mean, we don't know. Washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. There's that salvation having an effect in his life already, bringing them into his house. He and his whole household. Um, I just love the fact that Paul in that moment says, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. In other words, the story is not over yet. And in your salvation or when you come to know Christ in those moments of time, there is a lot more going on than just you. There's a lot going on. People are watching. People are listening. It's having repercussions out from that. So, no, it's not just me and my personal story with Jesus. I mean, this had to do with the other prisoners. It had to do with, their, with his household. There is power in our salvation, in our coming to Christ that goes out into the community, that goes out into our families, that go, goes out way beyond us. There is so much more at work than just your conscience being cleansed. There's an amazing influence, not because you are doing it, but because the Lord has suddenly turned people's hearts toward what God has done in you, and now they're watching. Does that mean you have to be perfect? No, that's not what this means. It means it's a very sincere, though, very sincere response to Christ's mercy and love in this moment. And I don't think this means <clears throat> that his household, when it says, and your household, it means they were saved because he was saved. In this culture, in this culture, just like Cornelius and his family, People moved in family groups. And if someone in the family would influence in a certain direction, then the rest of the family would look at it and decide whether they were going to go to, and then they would move. So you had that immediate contact and effect. We weren't, we, they just weren't as independent then as we are now. You know, everybody's going their own way, and it, it, it wasn't like that then. They looked into the family culture, and they looked into that unit, and they seriously considered what maybe the father or the mother or someone in the family had gone through and they were like wow if that happened to them i want to know about it and so here this jailer i mean he turns around one minute he's locking them up maybe even beating them the next minute he's washing their wounds the next minute he's brought them into his house into his own home how's that for a change of heart I don't think his profession was the same after this. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> but salvation, the power of God that's exemplified and put on display in our coming to Christ indeed is just, to me, the, the, the most mysterious and wonderful transformation that could ever happen. But it's not just about us. Salvation, the power of salvation has the power of stretching out beyond ourselves and to our friends into our businesses, into any person that knows us and sees us. It makes a difference. So the power of God is expressed in salvation much beyond what we may think many times. The second fill-in is this, is that we look for situations or we look for times and places where God may want to do something very special. And uh, that's your second fill-in is the power of God in situations in situations 
Um, in Luke 5, 17 through 26, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay in before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, just too crowded, can't get in. This place is packed. They've got a friend on a pallet. They love him. They want to get him to Jesus because they've heard that Jesus can do something for his life. So they're willing to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. So they climb up on the roof where there's just mud and thatch and, uh, you know, this clay tile and all. And, and they're like, we're going to get him down in front of Jesus because we know we can get him to Jesus. Maybe something will change for him. Maybe something will happen in his life. Something beautiful. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, can you imagine the the group and then all of a sudden all this stuff starts falling down you know and they're like what the heck and they look up and just suddenly you can see sunlight coming through the roof and, and then here comes this pallet being awkwardly tipped back and forth maybe with ropes and here's jesus probably sitting or reclining or like this and he's talking and right down in front of him comes this pallet with this paralyzed man I mean, that situation, that's a very special situation. It's a special situation for him, but it's also a special situation for the crowd that's watching. Much less, have you ever thought about his friends, what they were going through? They're up on the roof looking down through the whole thing. And they're like, he's down there. What's going to happen now? What's Jesus going to do? What's he going to do? Let's see. Let's see. <clears throat> Matt threw the tiles into the middle. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. Not the man that was on the pallet's faith, but when Jesus saw their faith. You see that salvation thing, that thing of believing for others and how it involves other people many times? When they saw, when he saw their faith, he saw the love of, their friend, of his friends and what they wanted to do for him and how much they cared for him. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Did he go down there to get his sins forgiven? Is that why his friends took him there? No. That's not why they took him there. They took him there because he was paralyzed, right? And so this is a setup again by Jesus. This is a setup all the way around again. Sin, uh, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Which means what? Draw the conclusion. Jesus is God. There you go. Jesus is God. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And asked. You ever notice how many questions Jesus always asks? He answers questions with questions. He's so good. Um, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
This man got a lot more than he bargained for. His friends got a lot more than they were expecting for their friend. There's a lot of situations that you'll find yourself in, and when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, you'll find out there are other things going on. It won't be necessarily just the reason that you went to that person, or you think this, or, or you're in a, a situation where, well, my job is to do this, to do that, and all of a sudden it opens up that there's much more that God is doing. And so that's, you know, that's why don't ever draw conclusions that when you are being used by God and you're open to God's leading and his Holy Spirit, that it's going to be this one thing every time. Because this guy got his sins forgiven first. Now, I think Jesus was playing with the Pharisees, too. I mean, it's like, I, you know, God's the only one that for, can forgive sins. And he's like, right on. Okay, I'll just, I'll just irritate you even more. Get up. You know. And so... Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on. He was not a litter bug. <laughs> he did not leave it behind. He took it with him. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. They were filled, they, right? They were filled with awe. And said, we have seen remarkable things today. In this story too, in situations that we find ourselves in, it says, and the power, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. You know, I think, I can take that a lot of times. That not every situation requires what we think it does. It's what, is, what does the Lord want to see happen here in this moment? And in that moment, he will give us the tool that we need. It's like, you know, you don't need a hammer if you need glue. So this is a situation where the gifts and the need are situational upon the, the situation you're in. If someone is sick, then they may need heal, healing, of course, but they may need salvation as well. I mean, you don't know till you get in there and see. So don't lock yourselves out of thinking in every situation you find yourself in that it's that one thing that I'm there for. Because you may find out that God will open it up and include you in a whole lot of beautiful, uh, let's say, repentance and reconciliation and healing and love for God that you've, you've never seen before. So, the situations, don't lose sight of them. Number three, the third one is this, that is, the power of God manifests itself sometimes in surprises. You just don't know it's coming. You just don't know. You didn't even expect it. And be open to surprises. In Acts 2, 4, you know the story about Pentecost. When uh, the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, Jesus told them to go, right? The angel said go. Jesus told them to wait. Holy Spirit's going to come and be with you. So they knew that. They didn't know how exactly it was going to happen. But they knew it was going to happen. But they didn't know how. This is pretty phenomenal. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled it. I love that word suddenly. If we ever lose our expectation of suddenly, we've lost the great adventure in our lives as Christians. It, are you willing to be surprised? 
I mean, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because if you're surprised, you weren't expecting it. But you know what? We can lose our expectation of surprises. We can get to a place in our Christian life where we no longer really anticipate, want, pray for, expect God to suddenly surprise us with something. Using us in some way, seeing us see someone healed, restored, come to know him. Be the hands, the feet of Jesus. We just, sometimes we can just get into this survival. Christians can get into this just survival mode. You know, I read my verse today and. You know, I read my verse, I love Jesus, but life sure is boring. You know, someone sent me a text this past week, and it had to do with living life and being a Christian, and they used the word boring. And I had to tell them, I said, this is my 48th year being a Christian, and honest to God, I have never once been bored. No. That's the honest truth. That is the honest truth because I just don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know. And so I'm looking, I'm expecting to be surprised. And a lot of times the minute I kind of get focused on everything right now, God, if, I, if, if it's back there somewhere, God will suddenly drop something or a story into your life where you're reminded that God is the God of surprises. He's not as predictable as you think he is. And so in, in our, are we positioned in such in our anticipation, even when we come to the table this morning? Are you willing to be surprised? Are you willing to be surprised by the presence of God as he comes, as you take the bread and you take the wine and you begin to realize that your sins have been forgiven and that God has put his spirit in you and that he has given you a hope that goes beyond anything you've ever known? Are you willing to reap Every time I go to the table, I do a little look back. It's not just a little, it's a lot. I go all the way. I go back and I start looking at my life prior to knowing Christ. I look at my life as I've known him, the things he's worked with me and continue to work with me on, but how faithful he has been. And then when I take the wine, I take the bread, I tear a piece off and I stick it in the wine and I watch that red go up through that bread. I am reminded of the faithfulness and the power of Jesus' blood and body, what he did for me on the cross, and then through the resurrection said, I told you I was who I was. <laughs> and then I eat that. I realize that in that moment, though it is symbolic, I, I believe that it doesn't turn, I don't think, into the body or into the blood, but I do believe there is something very, very special when the church gathers around this and we celebrate it together. Are you willing to be surprised? Are you willing for the Holy Spirit maybe to heal you this morning as you receive communion? We have an open table here. We don't keep anybody from the table. Some people disagree with me. That's okay. You've been wrong before. And <laughs> I just know Judas was at the first one. I know Judas was at the first one. Peter was at the first one. He was going to deny Christ three times right after that meal within hours. And I don't know, maybe you, maybe you, you approach this this morning and suddenly the reality of Christ's love for you, you'll be surprised by the moment of going, he loves me this much? He cares for me this much? And as you break the bread, you see his body broken for you. And as you dip it in the wine or the juice, then you see 
You see the sacrifice, and you also see the life. And that's why I like the wine. Now, you don't have to drink wine, especially if you struggle with it. That's why we have the juice here. But the wine is alive. It's alive. And it's just like when we receive Christ, suddenly there is life in us that we did not have before. That work, the, that wine is working in us. The bread is giving us sustenance, and we're becoming more of what we were always intended to be. So are you willing to be surprised? Church, let's get our expectation of being surprised back. Let's, let's just don't think, you ever got this like, yeah, I just hope I can make it to the end. I'm just holding out. Man, I'll be glad when I die. <laughs> really? You know, I hear people say that, like, it's just going to be awesome, and, and we talk about that. You know what? That death was never the original plan. We were meant to live forever. And that's why death does not feel right, because it isn't right. It's not. But because of all that's transpired, you know, that's the result of our sin. That's the result of where we live. But Jesus is the victor, and one day he'll put death down. He'll put it in the grave, and it will never rise again. And so when we take communion, that's a promise too. It's a promise that we will live forever. We will be raised with him. We're going to be raised, and we're going to have life eternal. But there are surprises, wonderful surprises ahead for each of us. And I just want to ask you, do you have that sense of surprise? Are you open to surprises in your life? Beautiful surprises, even in tough times. In the, if the situation is tough, you can still have a good surprise. Right? God can surprise you in the middle of it with something very special. Very special. Suddenly, just like in Matthew 28, 9, you know, the women were running to the tomb uh, to, to see what happened with the body. And it says, suddenly Jesus met them. I don't know. Jesus seems to like to do things suddenly. You know, like, like when the, all the disciples are locked in that room. And then all of a sudden he goes, peace. Like he just suddenly shows up. I mean, that's like. Man, talking about a surprise, you know, they're all shaking like they're going to kill us. Hey, what's going on, guys? Peace. Don't get weird. It's all right. I mean, suddenly, suddenly God surprises them with his presence. Mark 9, 8, suddenly, this is at the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, suddenly when they looked around, they no, no longer saw anyone. That was when uh, God, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and Elijah were all, and Moses were all gathered there. Let's don't lose our expectation of being surprised. Let's expect surprises. The power of the Lord in salvation when you come to Christ. It's like concentric circles. It's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you coming to know Jesus. That forgiveness and him anchoring himself in your heart. Tethering himself to your life in such a way he cannot be untethered, he cannot be taken out of it is amazing. But out from that come the people around you, the people that see you, the people that watch what's happening, the other people who hear as you talk and you live your life out and out. So the power of the Holy Spirit works in salvation in certain ways that we don't realize many times. And then in situations in our life, the Holy Spirit can come to heal he can come to restore, to give hope, to give salvation in the toughest of situations. And then surprises. Every now and then God will surprise us with something very beautiful. Let's pray. Lord.
Thank you for your word this morning. As we prepare to approach the table, we open our hearts to you. We search them. If there's something we need to confess to you, Lord, before we come up, then Lord, we do it right now. You are faithful and righteous to forgive us of all sins, Lord. And Lord, for those who have not intentionally responded with a yes to your call to follow, I pray now, Lord, as they approach the table with that taste of the wine or juice and the bread, they realize the power of Jesus' sacrifice to change their lives forever. We ask for you to come, Holy Spirit, come. Let's rise, guys. Let's stand. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts. Thank you.